Well, good morning again. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to take it up and turn with me to Psalm 62. Uh, if you're visiting with us, then you'll want to know that we are, uh, we've spent the summer going through various psalms uh, in a series that we call Selah. If you don't have a Bible, we would encourage you to look in the pew back in front of you, and you can find a Bible there, and you can find this reading on page 462 in the pew Bible. Psalm 62 is our text for this morning. You know, this week I had the opportunity to uh, have a con- actually quite an extended conversation with a good friend of mine whom I haven't spoken to in some time. He had transitioned from one job into a different job. He's had a few over the last uh, several years, and uh, he now finds himself in Houston, Texas, and that's where, uh, at least for the moment, they have offices and all over the place, this company he's working for now. And one of the things that he said, I said, well, tell me about this company. Tell me about your new job. Tell me. And so we were just talking. And one of the things he said, one of the first things he said is, this is a seven-day-a-week job. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he says, oh, just, and he went on to unpack that for me. And, you know, and he just started to talk about how, and I said, was it what you thought it was going to be? And he said, well, you know, it's a lot. And, and. As I started to think about it, that's pretty reflective of a lot of the conversations that I have, not always about work, but just about with you and people around. I say, well, how's summer going? Oh, busy, and we're here, and we're there, and we're all over the place. And that's been reflected in my own life as well, and there seems to be this sort of busyness and also this sort of churning that goes on. There's the external busyness and the internal churning that happens in my life, I know for sure. Psalm 62 has been, for me this week, something of a great encouragement, and I hope it will be for you. Because what we find in Psalm 62 is that God has designed you and designed us not to churn, but to rest and to rest in him. Turn and look with me at Psalm 62 as we examine this together this morning. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies, and with their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul Find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath. The highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken, two things have I heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they have done. Amen. Let's pray. Father, now on this, in this Sunday morning, this beautiful summer morning, we come to you and we entrust this time into your care. We ask that you, by your word, will, through your word, by your spirit, will be our teacher and our guide. Please open our hearts and our eyes and our ears that we might hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. I think the first thing that we need to give attention to is the requirement of rest. The requirement of rest. That's what David says. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. There is in the psalm, as David, who is the the psalmist, is writing this, he says, there is a place that he has come to. There is a calm. There is a peace. There is a a quiet confidence that he says that he has found where he has arrived at. He has found rest. And he says the source of his rest is in God and in God alone. Well, why has God been the source of his calm, of his peace, of his strength, as it were? How did he find this rest? Because he says that God is the source of my salvation. My salvation comes from him, he says. God is his rock and foundation. Truly, he is my rock. That God is his protector. God, he says, is my fortress. The reason that David is able to say that his soul has found rest in God is because God is his salvation, because God is his foundation, and because God is his protection and the fortress that is around him. And so he says, my soul is at rest because God is my savior. He is my foundation and he is my protector. And then he says these amazing words, I will not be shaken. Because God is my, because I have found rest in God, my soul is at rest with God, therefore I will not be shaken. Because God wants you and me and those who are his children to live the unshakable life. God wants us to live the unshakable life. God desires that his children are at rest in him. God wants you to rest. God wants me to rest. And God actually more than just desires that for us. God actually has commanded that for those who are his children. Let me show you in two areas, two ways through the Old Testament. First, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, we see this, um, where Moses is actually uh, recapping the Ten Commandments. This is the fourth commandment. He says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And as the Lord your God has commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. God commands his people to rest. Why? He says, can you go back to that? Because you were slaves. You once were slaves in Egypt. And when you were slaves in Egypt, did you have rest? Were you resting? No, no, if you know the story. No, they weren't at rest. They were continued to work. They had to build bricks. And then they got less and less materials, as the, but the demands kept being higher and higher. There was no rest. for Because why? Because they were slaves. But he says, but I, the Lord your God, when, I, when you cried out to me, I saved you. I brought you out of slavery. And the reason I did that was that you knew, so that you knew you were no longer slaves. So rest. 
You need to rest because you're not a slave. And every time you rest, then you're reminding yourself that you're no longer a slave because God has delivered you. God has brought you out. You're not a slave. When you rest, you're reminding yourself. There's an author by the name of Miroslav Volf, and he's written a book called Public Faith in Action. And he calls this kind of rest the rest of rejuvenation. And this is what he says. The rest of rejuvenation is what we do to restore the energy that we expend as we go about our lives. When we go about our lives at work and all the different things that we do, we expend energy and we all recognize that we need the rest of rejuvenation. That's what, these, that's what the people of God needed. They needed rest for rejuvenation because of all, the, all that they were expending out as they were slaves. And God says, I am the one who gives you that rest of rejuvenation. I am the one who is able to do that for you. And that's what it says we need. We need this rest. We need this rest of rejuvenation so that we can regain our energy, so that we can know that we know that we're not a slave. We rest and rejuvenate and regain our energy. But there's a second command, way that God has commanded, a reason that God has commanded us to rest. And this one is found in Exodus. Again, God, this is when God originally gave the Ten Commandments to his people. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For, six, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." Why is it that we, he commands his people to rest? Because the Lord created in six days, and on the seventh day he rested. So therefore, he says, I want you as my people to rest. Well, why did God rest? Because he was tired? Because he was spent? Because he needed a rest of rejuvenation? No. When God created, and he looked at creation, he said, it is good. It was because he was content. It's because he looked and he saw that what he had created was good. There was a rest of contentment. That's why God rested. And that's why we are to rest. It's a rest of contentment. A rest of being satisfied. It's laying something down because we are satisfied. Or what Miroslav Volf calls the rest of celebration. Which means that the rest of celebration is, requires worship and feasting is what he says. In order to have the rest of celebration, it requires us to be able to recognize and come with adoration to Almighty God because of his inexplicable goodness, because God is amazing, because God is good, and it requires us to be able to come to him and be able to recognize in adoration that God is good, and we are thankful for all of his goodness, and then it is the feasting. The feasting is to look around and look at all of the good things that God has given to those who are his children, and we're able to enjoy good food and good drink. We're able to enjoy the, 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 the laughter of good friends. We're able to enjoy the very things that God has given to us, and we are able to say that we are content in him and with what he has given us. 
There is a rest for his people. If we are able to have the rest that God wants, that David has found, then it requires a rest of rejuvenation, but it also requires a rest of celebration. And then our souls will be at rest in God and in him. And this is what he says. David says, I have found it. I have found it. This is the rest that we need. We all know that we need rest. I, the last couple of weeks, I've been fighting this weird kind of cold, and I went to the doctor, and he gave me you know, drugs, and then he also said, drink lots of water and rest, <laughs> because we will never be healthy. He said, you know, he said, and my wife kept reminding me, you will never regain your health. You will never be healthy if you don't sleep, if you don't rest. You know that. I know that. So I rested, and I'm on my way. But the rest that we need, I'm not... I don't study these things, but from what I understood, that if we, we need, when we go to sleep, we actually need uh, six to eight hours of deep rest, the, the REM sleep, the REM rest, that deep rest. That's what we need. Studies have shown that if you've got eight hours, eight, eight individual hours, you can wake up and go about your day and be exhausted. Because what you need is that continual those hours all together where you're able to get to that deep rest. That's what we need physically, and that's what your soul needs, for us to be able to come to God and find this deep soul rest in him. That's what we're called to. That's where we're... I want to ask you this morning, is your soul at rest with God? Do you have this rest, or is there a churning that if you're like me... I, I, I confess to you, I don't have... I desire and long for and in moments have experienced, but far too often I find myself awake at four in the morning and my mind is filled with all of the things that I should have done or ought to do or will do or could do or might have done. Or Have you ever known that? But David says, I found this. Why is it that we have struggled with this? Why is it that we... Why is this so hard for us, for, for me... James Montgomery Boyce says it this way. He says, the reason is, and this is what he says here, because we do not trust in God alone or God only, meaning that we're always adding something else to, else to trust as well. The reason that we don't get to the deep soul rest that, that God has for us, that God has designed us for, that God indeed has commanded us, is because we want to add other things to trust in him. We're not willing to trust in God alone or we... So we add to it family, or add to it work, or add to it money, or reputation, or power, or advancement. And all of these things are good unless we begin to put our trust for our, or begin to rest in them. And then they actually war against the rest of our soul. They actually go against what God calls us to be. And we will never get to the place that God calls us to be with him. If we are putting... <laughs> when I was... Um, when I had graduated, I just graduated college and I was I spent a summer as a camp counselor and also a boat driver. And so I was a speedboat driver, which was a lot of fun. I got great stories about that for another time. But it was always interesting because we would be parked in the dock <clears throat> and waiting for the campers to come and they'd have their life vests on. And then I would always reach out my hand. I'd be in the boat, reach out my hand to be able to help them be able to get transition from the dock onto the boat. And you being uh, good boating Minnesotans understand how this transition works. Right, So I would be there, and then they would step put one foot on the boat, and then I would reach out my hand, they would grab my hand, and I would sort of yank them into the boat or help them get into the boat. Um, 
but, but there would be always be some, usually boys, I'm just going to say, who would, who would go from the dock and put their foot on the boat and they wouldn't take my hand, right? They didn't want to take my hand because they're whatever, you know, dumb, um, right? And you know what happens? Well, the boat moves, right? Because it's a boat and it's in water. And so all of a sudden you'd find this happening, right? This is what's happening because the boat kind of, now there, we tied it up. We were safe, right? I mean, don't, don't, don't try to sue us now. Um, but then what would the boys end up doing, right? This, right? So then I really would grab them and yank them in and throw them down on the boat and then tell them that they're dumb. But I find myself being more like a dumb camper where I've got the safe dock of Jesus Christ and then I've got my other foot on some other thing and then when my foot is on the boat of some other thing, then, I'm, then all of a sudden I find it to start wobbling, I find it to start moving and instead of saying like David that I will never be shaken, I'm flailing around hoping to keep my suburban life together somehow. I'm just hoping somehow and there's the churning that goes on inside and instead of being where David has found what God has called us to be, to be able to have an unshakable confidence in the front of the realities of our lives, I find myself flailing around and it's no wonder that we don't have rest. It's no wonder that we don't find contentment. It's no wonder that we don't have these things because we're trying to trust in something else besides God, something other was David immune to the realities of life? Was he just in some alternate universe? No, he wasn't. Actually, he too needed to be reminded of the rest that comes from God. Look down. No sooner had David had actually made this wonderful statement of faith that he will never be shaken, then he comes to mind the realities of the enemies of his life. Look what he says in verse 3. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless and with their hearts they curse. David says there are those who are out there who are after me. And that when I am in my, my, when I'm succeeding, when I'm doing well, all they want to do is just bring me down. And then when I'm down, all they want to do is kick me and keep me there. That's when the rubber hits the road, isn't it, for us? When we have to face the realities of our... I mean, it's easy to say that we trust God in church because there's a look, there's a group of other people that apparently believe similar things. It's easy to say we trust God, sing great songs of the things that we believe about God, but it's when we walk out of these doors and that's when the rubber hits the road, isn't it, for every single one of us. It's when we look out into our future and we don't know where we're going and not sure where we fit in. And we just stare out into the future and it's perplexing and anxiety-ridden and that's the realities. It's when we look at our bank account, you look at your bank account and, and so that it's, it's not going to work. There isn't enough to cover it all. How, how is this? It's when you look at the election and you, say, you, you shake your head and say to your wife, how did we get here? It's when you look at your children and you say, I, I know we taught them better. <laughs> it's when you look at your work, you go to work and you think, is this it? Is this, is this all that I, I mean, is this, is this really it? Or when you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you go, is this it? Is this really all I have to work with here? 
Because so often the realities of our lives, we can come into a building like this and sing great songs, but then we go out into the reality of our lives and not long after we feel the, the rest just slipping away. We feel our peace just oozing away and we are filled with fear and with anxiety and with frustration and with anger. And where do you go? Where, where do you go? When, where do you, where, in what then do you put your trust? In what do you put your hope and your faith? In those days, in those moments. David says to himself, when he says, look at the realities of the evil that is, look at these people that are trying to take me down, they're trying to keep me down. He says, verse five, yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. He repeats himself. He reminds himself. He counsels himself. And he says, no, my strength does not come from them. My true, my true source of strength comes only from God. My true source of hope comes only in God. My true source of rest comes only in God and only in God, and it must only be in God. The rest our souls long for, the deep rest that we all long for in the depth of our being can never be found in money or in health or in people or in power. It can only be found in one source, and that source is in God alone. And that's what he says. My salvation depends on him. All of me, my rest will depend on him. And then he adds this line, which I think is an important one. My salvation and my honor depend on God. I think this is important, and the reason is because we spend so much time in our life with image management, with making sure that we get our honor, that people respect our name. And it's only been on the rise with the, with the rise of social media. The other day, uh, we were out as a family, and I was waiting for, um, for my wife, um, <clears throat> So I just happened to be there, and there was these two young moms. I knew they were young moms because their kids were sort of running around um, the little area that we were in. And the two of them, just, I just had to laugh because they were taking uh, selfies uh, together, right? So, so there are the two of them, and they're like in their pose, and they have the thing. But they seriously, they took 35. I'm not, I'm not even lying to you. 35 of them, and they, from different angles, from different phones, from different things. And their kids were just sort of running all around. And they're just, hey, why? Because, because apparently on, on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever social media platform that they chose to, to put it on, they wanted to make sure they had the right picture to make sure that they were really, really super having fun um, so that all of you believe that. And I'm not being critical of them because we all do the same thing. And some of you are feeling really self-righteous because you're like, well, I don't do Facebook and I don't do Twitter and I don't do all... Yes, you do the same thing. It's the same thing. That's why, that's why all of us want to make sure that we, we come in here, that our life is good, that we're having fun, that we're really super busy and, oh, look at all the week that we've had. It's just been fantastic. That's what we say. And we want people to believe us because it's about image management and making sure that it's all good. But David says, when we spend our time 
when we spend our time trying to protect our honor, trying to protect our image, when we spend all of our time doing these things, we will never actually find the deep rest that God has for us, that God has commanded for us to have. When David felt his rest slipping away, he reminded himself of the true source of peace and the true source of rest, and that is only in God, because only in God is my salvation, because only in God is my foundation, because only in God is my refuge and my protection, only in him. And if I will put myself only in him, then he will be my protector, and he will be my guide, and he will be the lifter of my head, and he he will be the one who will protect my honor and he will do it perfectly because you can't and I can't, but he can because he's God. And you know what that means? If you're resting in him, if you're trusting him for your honor and allowing him to be the guide of your life, that means that you can rest. That means you can rest in him. That means you can chill out. That doesn't mean you, you post bad pictures. I'm not saying that. I mean, you can. I'm just saying... Don't put your trust in your image and your management of those things. David says, now he's turning his focus to you and to me and to us. Trust in him at all times, you people. Verse 8, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. He's experiencing this. He's talking to himself. He's preaching to himself. He's reminding himself. And then he turns to others and says, pour out your hearts to him and find God as your refuge. Will you put your trust in him? He says, and then you will find rest. We're, I wonder if you were awoken to the storm uh, Thursday morning around, you know, 5.30 or 6. Did you know that storm? I, I, I did. Uh, I I was up, I was in my study and I had my cup of coffee and when it just this, the, the rain was just coming down, just a deluge of rain and thunder and lightning and it was, it was fantastic. And I, so I just got my coffee and you know what I did? I walked to the window and I just watched, just, just outside, just watched all of this rain just coming down and it was staggering watching the wind just blow the trees, hoping that it didn't blow the flagpole off the front of my house, you know, just sitting there. But you know what I wasn't doing? I wasn't anxious. I wasn't worried. I wasn't fretting. I wasn't wringing my hands. I, was, I had a cup of coffee and I was enjoying this amazing act of God. You know why? Because I have a house. Because I had a shelter. Because I have a refuge. And I was at rest. In the middle of a storm. That was crazy. The sirens going off and everything. And I was at rest. Jesus says to you and to me, come to you who are weary and I will give you rest. In the middle of your storm, in the middle of the realities of all of our lives, Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest because Jesus went into the garden of Gethsemane and when he was in the garden, he became restless with God because he began to understand what it meant for him for the one and only time to be separated from his father and he became restless and on the cross, Jesus Christ lost his rest because the father turned his face away and Jesus was on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and 
and my sin, for the things that separate us from the God of rest, Jesus was punished on our behalf in order that you and I might be able to come to him and to be able to know deep soul rest in God alone, to know that he is our salvation once and for all, to know that he is our foundation so we will never fall, and to know that he is our protection and our refuge from whatever storm you face. This is the God that calls you to take rest in him and to rest in him alone. There is no bank account. There is no other person. There is no other set of circumstances that can provide you the deep rest that comes only through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's calling you this morning to come and find rest and take refuge in him. And my question for you is, have you? Have you ever come to the point where you said, I'm going to stop trying to find my rest and my value and my honor and all this. I'm just going to come and lay it all in for Jesus Christ. Or will you do what we saw happen where she says, I'm all in for Jesus Christ. I once was doing these other things, but then I realized that my true rest can only come from Christ. Some of you have been in those waters of baptism and you've just forgotten like me and found ourselves doing this. <laughs> and Jesus says, come, take my hand. Let me pull you back to the dock of safety and rest. Would you allow him to do that for you this morning? Would you come back to him? Because when you do, then you, like David, will have a renewal that comes from rest. There is a renewed perspective on life when we find our trust and rest in Jesus. Look, the renewal that comes from rest. First is this. There, then he says, now don't fear man. That's the first renewal, the different perspective that came when he found his rest and he called himself back to rest in Christ. Do not don't fear man. Verse 9, surely low-born men are but a breath, and high-born but a lie. If weighed on the balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. <laughs> These are the same guys that were trying to topple him because he was a leaning wall and a tottering fence, and they were just, it's the same people. Nothing had changed. They're still evil. Those are out there. They still want to, they want to still want to throw him down when he's succeeding and kick him and keep him down. But now he says, what's, now look what he says about them. Oh, they're nothing but a breath. They're but a lie. On the balance, put them together, they're only, they're temporary. Because what he did is he put these struggles, these realities of his life into the broader perspective of who God is and who he really is. And he says, I don't need to fear them because my foundation is in God. Because my strength is in God, because my protection is in God, because my honor is in God. And so therefore, I can go out and face mankind, and I can be able to stand up. I don't have to fear man. It's not that just the struggles didn't exist. It's that he now had a renewed strength and unshakable confidence to be able to go and to face the challenges. Friends, that's what you need, and that's what I need. Because there are some of you here this morning who need to go mend some relationships and you haven't because you're afraid, because you're scared of the people who you've wronged or they've wronged you and you haven't taken those, you haven't taken those on. And for some of you, it's been decades. I want to say to you this morning that you need to go get that done. Let's stop, stop being afraid of people and go honor Christ by living at peace with everyone as far as it depends upon you. That you need to go take action with the confidence and strength that comes. Because whether it goes well or whether it goes badly, your significance, value, and self-worth is not in that. Your significance and value and self-worth and your strength comes from Christ and from Christ alone. Some of you need to go face your meetings at work differently and your clients differently. 
because you're afraid and because you're timid. But Christ gives you strength, a renewed sense of strength. When we, when we remind ourselves of where our security and comfort and strength and protection comes from, then it gives us a, a strength to be able to walk into those meetings and actually share our opinion and actually stand up for our beliefs and be able to know that we have confidence and strength. Some of us just need to take a stand for what we actually believe because we've been soft, because we haven't been willing, because we've been afraid of what other people would think. And we just need to go back to Jesus and say, I'm sorry. I was trusting in other things and my reputation. I was trying to protect my own honor and I just need to stand in you. And I'm not going to do that anymore. Don't fear, man, because your confidence and strength and rest is in God. Second, he says this, don't trust in money. Verse 10, do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. When our soul is at rest in God, then our money and our stuff just becomes money and stuff. It's good stuff. We need money. It's important. But when our rest is in God, then our scarcity, when you, when you don't have much, and so for some of us who are living paycheck to paycheck and, 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 and who are afraid of how all the ends are going to meet, and you find yourself in that situation, and there's a stress that comes from that, uh, release that to him. Because when he is your rest, then you need to allow him to be able to, sh- to know that he is your provider, that he is your foundation, that he is your strength. When you are in scarcity, remember that he is your provider and protector, that he will provide for you. You say, well, I can't see how that's going to be. I can't either. But God knows because he loves you, because he'll take care of you. So go out with a sense of hope. For those of us in abundance, he says, don't. Don't, though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. For those who have great abundance, do not allow that to be your sense of security. Do not allow that to be your sense of rest. He says, don't set your heart there because those can go as quickly as they've come. Those who are in abundance, don't take pride in your abundance. No, when we put, when we find rest in God, then it allows us to be able to have confidence in scarcity. It allows us to be able to have confidence and humility and abundance. And when we rest in God, then thankfulness is our default. Then we are those who are continually being thankful because of God's provision in our lives. How often are you thanking others and God? Does that come out of your mouth very often? If not, then maybe it's something you need to evaluate. Maybe you're not resting in God. Maybe you're taking credit for things that are actually God's that he's given you. Thankfulness must be our default. Second is contentment is our posture. If we are able to put ourselves and rest in him, then we are not continuing to strive for the next car, for the next house, for the next increase, for the next job, because that means we're putting our trust in our honor and our name and our rest is actually in all of that increase. And we're trusting in the increase rather than being content with what God has provided for you. And so as you go back to your little house or you go back to your street or you go back, get in your car that somebody keyed down the side of it and you say, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be content. And it doesn't mean you don't fix your car means we're being content with all that God has given us. For those who are resting in God, then we are thankful is our default. Contentment is our posture and generosity is our practice. Because our source of honor and because our source of rest is not in our material things or in our, in our money, then we can give it away. Then we can give it away. And we can do so with, with increasing measure as we, have the, as we have opportunity. Don't trust, don't fear man. 
Don't trust in money, but rest in God. Why? Because God is strong, because power belongs to God, because God is loving, because the, Lord's, the, the Lord is un, gives unfailing love, and because God is just. But he, because you will reward everyone according to what he's done. This is the God in whom we rest, the God who is strong, strong enough to conquer all of our challenges. God is loving and good always, and he is always just. So come to him. So David says, pour your heart out to him and find rest in him. You are in this room, so I'm preaching to you. But this week I've been preaching to me because no one has needed this message more than myself. So thanks for letting me do this in front of you with a microphone on. We join in the journey together. None of us has ever arrived, all pursuing peace and our Heavenly Father. Let me pray. Father, we're here as those who long for rest in you. And we've tried it in a whole variety of ways and varying measures have found some sources of relief. But Father, will you help us again? Some of us for the first time and others again coming back to you and say, we have found ourselves straddling the, the waters, putting one foot on. Will you, will you bring us back to the security of the dock of Christ in order that we might be able to say with David that we are unshakable going into our Monday. In your name we pray. Amen.